all his materials gone. Oh, I yeah. know, I know. I mean, can I make an official complaint to the central <laughs> government? Depriving depriving people of CY Lung to comment on we can't, is a cruel body blow. We can't play nice ones yours. Cyril anymore, can we? I know, I know. Could, and in fact, <laughs> can, can I issue a, an alert to the listener? Yeah. <clears throat> listener. Yeah. You may want to turn off your radio now because it is possible that in the next few moments something not bad is going to be said <laughs> about the chief executive. So, oh, Just I hear, repeat the, what you said I hear to me. the sound of radios clicking off <laughs> all over the place. Just just so repeat what are. you said we to are, me just we, now. We are in we are in Carrie Lamb's first week. Day 6. Day 6. So that's only one day short of a week in my uh, in my highly what's it mathematical calculations. And I actually think she's got off to a quite a good start. Stop! I know, <laughs> I know, it comes as a shock, that's why I had to issue the warning. Go on. But, I mean, you know, th- look at the things that, that, that she's said and done. Some, of we- some are purely symbolic, but gestures do matter in politics. Mm. You know, arriving at LegCo and saying, oh, I'm not going to do a CY, I'm not going to stand in front of the president of LegCo, I'll stand by his side, that makes a statement. Mm. Going to LegCo and saying, you know... These quarterly question-and-answer sessions, they're really not, like nobody noticed, really not up to much. Maybe I should come a bit more often and answer questions, point two. She then says, um, you know, the, the Civic Square, the area outside the Legislative Council building, which, of course, CY closed down because he hates the people. Um, she said, you know what, I think we're going to open that up. Well, she hasn't done it. Let's Might, see if but she, that's, yeah, the, that's the fact. Let's yeah. see if she does. Um, She introduces... This is all in week one. It's quite interesting. She introduces um, a government education policy in which... And this is a bit weird. They actually listen to input from people in the old education business. Don't get too carried away, Steve, because this will come back to haunt you. I know, I know, I know. Um, But, you know, and they're saying, we were a bit surprised too. Nobody's listened to us for a very long time. So that is likely... I mean, that's a very big thing. It, it, It contains some very sensible suggestions, one of which I particularly like which is giving money to students who are non-university students to pursue their tertiary studies, which I've always thought is a pretty good thing to do. But anyway, that's good. Um, There's talk about, and this is is one I like quite a lot, there's talk about changing the anti-bribery ordinance so that the chief executive can be included. Now, this subject has been around for a while. I wonder why previous chief executives didn't want to be included in the scope of the chief executive... Uh, sorry, in the scope of the um, bribery ordinance while they were chief executives. I mean, one of them served time in jail, so he might have had a reason. Another has just left office with many accusations flying around. He may have had a reason. Now, let's see, because we yet again, this is a pledge. It's not an actual thing that's been enacted. Let's see if she simply does the right thing and says, I'll tell you what. I've got nothing. I'm not likely to be accepting any bribes, so why shouldn't I be under the scope of the law? This would be good if she did this one, because, you know, let's be fair, she's probably got nothing to hide. I mean, 88 arrests and no convictions, but all the same. This clears the decks for her, if you see what I mean. And I think this is what's interesting about this, is, I mean, she she's very very vividly aware that everyone is saying yeah. oh this is you know cy mark 2 so she had two choices she either came into office in week 1 and did something you know everything's very complicated you know and or she came and said i'll tell you what i'm going to do bang 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 
and see how that works. Now, look, this is very early days. This is week one. I know. Should we do a bit of listener correspondence? Yeah, just before, but let me just finish. No, go on, man. But the listener must be heard. I do understand that. Not really. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, but, But, you know... If you think about it, all of her predecessors, even including C.Y. Lung, I know it's hard to imagine, had a pretty good first week. I think she's actually had a better week than the others, but they had a pretty good first week. C.Y., I know people will go, that can't possibly be true, but it is, it's a fact. Look it up in newspapers. Do you remember those? Um, in, in his early period in office, he had quite good opinion poll ratings. Now... I mean, there's a man who knows how to knock down a good opinion poll rating with very little effort. Donald Jung had record-breaking political opinion poll... Oh, sorry, public opinion poll ratings. So Carrie started off strong. She had very poor opinion poll ratings before she came into office. I'm pretty sure that when we see the first of the, you know, the new chief executive opinion polls come out, she'll, she'll get pretty good ratings. But, you know, look at the negatives... She's got the central government on her back who are saying, remember, you wouldn't be see if it wasn't for us. Remember, we told you we want anti-subversion laws on the statute books. Remember, we're very upset on patriotic education. Don't think there's been enough of that in schools. So, you know, it's not as though she's her own woman. It's not as though she couldn't even appoint all the people she wanted to appoint to her, her, her government or her, her executive council. She's not her own woman. She has some very, very low-grade people around her. I mean, she was forced to keep in her cabinet um, the world's most ineffectual financial secretary. Well, probably there are worse, but he's down there on, on, on grade zero. You know, she's surrounded by a lot of people who are, who are from the bottom drawer. So, you know, there is many a trip before, you know, she leaps ahead. I just want to chuck in a couple of things here, then we'll do the listener correspondence. First thing, all the gongs have been handed out like smarties. John Jung didn't get one, and it left me thinking, John Jung's probably in a mix of, like, being a bit peed off and being elated right now. I would have thought so. I mean, it's very interesting when he, you know, when he goes out on the streets, he gets mobbed. I mean, it's really interesting. Yeah. How many sources are in that position? I, I, I mean, purely personally, I think he's in a good place now. Forget the lot of them. Have a lovely life with my family and probably get well, offered no, a nice I think, job. I, I, I don't think for one uh, moment that he didn't want the top job. But now he hasn't got it. And I he's bet. been told, you know, you ain't getting nothing. Yeah. He's got nothing to lose. A person with nothing to lose is a person liberated, in yeah. my view. The only things that people are saying to John Jung right now are probably, would you like another mojito, sir? <laughs> right. And the other thing was, in C.Y. Lung's first week, I always thought Harvey Stockwin, who was pretty much bang on about everything, he said to me, at last, we've got a proper politician. And, and I'm thinking, Harvey, you've blown it on that one. But now it's all done and dusted. The guy was a brilliant politician. Harvey well, was right. I think Harvey was right. I mean, one of the reasons why I even... Uh, was among the chorus saying, you know, in some ways CY is better than his predecessors because he was a true believer. He wasn't a turncoat like Donald Jung, you know, one day a, a sort of snivelling uh, 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 British brown nose and the next day the most patriotic flag wave you've ever seen. He wasn't like C.H. Tung, who, you know, basically whose family <laughs> were heavily in debt to the comrades. You know, he was somebody who genuinely believed in all this stuff. And I'm always preferred to have a genuine believer rather than, than a second guesser and a turncoat. So I thought, you know, maybe, maybe we'd get someone who, because 
there's no doubt about his convictions because they didn't really have anything on him in the sense that he owed them a debt or they could say, remember what you did under the British? Because we had somebody like that, things would be better. Boy, how wrong can you be? Mm. Funnily enough, both of these blokes are called Stephen. No blag. Uh, but a fabulous name. This is, you've got to be called Steve. Yeah. Anyway, so listen. Nobody not called Stephen can Steve write into this programme. I haven't read Steve 2's yet, Go so on. we'll see that. Steve 1 says, he's saying good things about the chief executive. Is this a sign of the apocalypse? This is Book of Revelations stuff. He goes, <laughs> is this the end of days? But he said, serious question, uh, what do you think would be the real effect if Article 23 is enacted? What would change? Think on that one, and I'll chuck you this as well. Uh, Steve too says, I wonder what Steve has to say about the coppers being released on bail. So a judge can simply overturn a verdict by a jury, coincidentally, the day before Xi Jinping's visit. Both interesting points. Um, can I just say, no, normal service will be resumed. <laughs> <laughs> Do not take this as being I'm a permanent... I'm digging up a six-minute record <laughs> right now. <laughs> Do not take this as being a permanent state of affairs, please. Honestly, honest, Gav. I wasn't there and I've never done it. But he does, Steve One does make an interesting point. <laughs> I think that the pressure, in fact, the deal that, that almost certainly was, was concluded between Carrie Lamb and the people who matter when it came to her so-called election was, you will have to do this. This is part of your task. So the question is this, how is she going to do it? You know, there's nothing inherently objectionable about having an anti-subversion law. In fact, people don't seem to realise we have an anti-subversion law in Hong Kong right now. What people are worried about is that the excuse of subversion, the excuse of, of challenging the um, integrity of the state, will be used to suppress freedom of expression, will be used to lock people up because they, they you know, advance views that the government doesn't like. Independence. Independence, autonomy, blah, blah, blah. So the question is this. Can you actually have an anti-subversion law that does not provide the open door for all of this excessive clampdown on people's liberty or can you not now i think there well, i don't think i know for a fact because most states do have anti-subversion legislation it's this isn't a new concept the question is if you look at what anti-subversion legislation means on the mainland look at liu xiaobo um, who, who, you know, has, has, has almost been killed in prison. Now, he, he was in jail, basically, under uh, anti-subversion legislation, but in fact what he was doing was simply criticising the government. So what people are saying is, you know, if Article 23, the um, enactment of that into Hong Kong laws, means that subversion can be a charge that can be thrown around at anybody who opposes the government... Obviously, that's not acceptable. If it genuinely means people who have taken physical moves to undermine the state... Blow up the Houses of Parliament, the houses stuff, of Parliament yeah, or that kind of thing. or anything yeah, yeah. like that, or, or, you know, or colluded with people engaged in terrorism, well, you can say, well, there's no objection to having a law like that. I don't for one moment think that's what the comrades have in mind. I think what they have in mind is what they've got on the other side of the border. So very much it's how it would be managed here. Well, how it would be stated as well in law. I mean, you know, you, you have to be very careful of the parameters of a law like that because, as we've seen, you don't have to even think about it in theory. You know that many, many dissidents on the mainland are, in fact, arrested under so-called anti-subversion laws. So, you know, 
though that and which are catch all and of course when you go to a court on the mainland you're guilty you don't the, the trial is a mere formality so you know do you want that here i mean this no wonder people were on the streets so that's the big question is that what you think it means sorry is it, that what it, i the, the, the and his you know the article 23 <laughs> would would possibly you know be the two it, systems it, and it, it could it, possibly it, be it, different it, it in can Hong be Hong. it certainly can be and i think that the the xi jinping regime wants it to be they say we've the real got deal. we want we want you to have what we've got yeah and people here are going we want what we've got so i mean you know there is compromise to be made here there really is and it's quite it's quite a key compromise I hope that, but you know mm. remember just before the 20th anniversary celebrations we had that old stage at joe nan lurking back into the picture he was the guy in charge of um the china's um Xinhua office before the handover and he was approvingly quoting Mao Zedong as saying compromise is a false unity and it won't last and he was warning he was warning the Hong Kong administration that if they went down the road of compromise with the opposition it wouldn't work how far is the word compromise away from the word uh What's the word they always use here? It begins with a C. Conciliation? Something like something that. Like yeah. that. Compromise. I, I don't know. It doesn't... It, it, consensus. It, consensus. Well, you know... Because that word is used every day. In that, that, but that's a ludicrous word, in my view, because in politics, there really, very rarely is consensus, but there very often is compromise. I mean, you look at any genuine political system, the whole point of having a government and an opposition is they don't agree. Mm. So there's never consensus on many, many things, but there is a way through big problems. You know, I mean, if Carrie Lam was to approach Article 23 in the way that she's approaching the education legislation, which obviously is a lot less controversial, she's made a few nods to the teachers and to people in the education sector, She's made nods to people in the pro-government camp who uh, basically don't like reform of anything, but, you know, they understand that a bit of reform doesn't do any harm. It, that is compromise politics, and it works. Let's go to Steve, too, very quickly. A couple of minutes left. He's talking about coppers released on bail before the visit. Yeah, now, that's a very interesting one. I mean, let's be clear why they were released. They were released because the judge decided that the appeal that they're making has reasonable grounds for success. He's not prejudging the appeal, but he's saying that the appeal will take so long that if they remain in jail while the appeal is underway, they'll actually have served their sentences anyway. So, I mean, I'm not wholly sympathetic to this, but it is within the law, and I'm kind of a stickler for that. I like things to be within the law. I think these guys, one thing they should not happen to them is send them to Operation Breakthrough for a bit of boxing training. I, <laughs> don't do that. I'm also, I'd also recommend that uh, public order shouldn't be what their, their new task is. I don't know. The fact that they've been released on bail, I, as, as far as I know, doesn't also mean they're returning to duty. Mm. So but, Steve says, you know, <coughs> the day before Xi Jinping's oh, visit, yeah, I mean, anything in that? I, I'm going to be, because this is a weird day where you say nice things about the administration... I'm, I'm going to be saying I think that might have been a coincidence. But the very fact that we're drawn to make these wicked, wicked um, assumptions these days, that too says something. I know. I mean, it, uh, in, in a bad situation, people always 
you know, interpret it as the worst. Mm. Well, what are your thoughts? Get in touch with us if you want to. It's morningbrew at rthk.hk or stick something on our Facebook page. We'll be back after the news, which is still in with Steve Vines. I don't know what you've done, but let's see now. I've got an email here from Pete. Who what, somebody could not called Steve? Not Steve, no. <laughs> <laughs> Pete, he says, uh, huh. if Steve continues in this vein, he will have to be moved to a more appropriate time slot. <laughs> See? I apologise. Honestly, I apologise. Look, look, listener, this is not going to happen again. <laughs> yeah, get it while, it, get it while it's I, hot. Really, it, it's a, it's a once-only... It's to celebrate the 4th of July for the American listener as well. You haven't been sort of followed by blokes in black cars and stuff, have you? No, but those pink pills, they're they're, they're beginning to have an effect. (laughs) Righty-ho, all yours. Well, um... Oh, maybe we can get back to business as usual. <laughs> um, so, so we understand from the foreign ministry in Beijing that the um, joint declaration, this is the Sino-British joint de- de- declaration, which was agreed in 1984, um, has served its purpose and no longer is, is relevant. That's very interesting. It's a treaty. A treaty registered... I, lo- I get their logic. I, I, well... If you uh, think it through. Well, uh, yes, we, 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 we've even had the, um, the elucidation... It's like saying the Magna Carta isn't really yes, relevant. Ma- <laughs> you know what I mean? But can I just point out, the Magna Carta was not registered at the United Nations. Fair play. Don't know why. Maybe they... Well, never mind. I don't know why either. It was a long time ago. But, I mean, one thing which um, is astonishing about this is they actually say oh you know therefore britain shouldn't shouldn't poke its nose into anything because you know that treaty you know it's all it's all old stuff actually actually that's not how treaties work you know the whole point about treaties is that the parties to the treaty in this case people's republic of china and the united kingdom not as united as perhaps it was at the time um have an obligation that's why how treaties work. They have an obligation to to monitor its implementation. This is standard diplomatic practice. It's not some new weird idea that has been thought up in um, you know in the back streets of Wong Kok. See, their thinking their thinking is we needed to do these bits and pieces in order to do the handover. But that was twenty years ago. We're in charge. Why do yeah. we care what the Brits well, think? Fact, they the don't tre- care about us. Tr- treaty was even longer ago than that. So yeah, you know, you know what yeah, I mean. yeah. No, I know. So you've got we, we've got a new. Not many people know this. But in fact, yeah, I didn't know this until I read it in the newspapers yet again. A sign that it must be true. We've got a new Constitution Affairs Secretary, a fellow by the name of Patrick Nip, and he says, "Ah, yes," he says, "yes." Well, the reason it's not relevant anymore... Well, he didn't actually use those words, but I'm freely extrapolating because it's a big word and I want to impress people. Um, he says the reason is that all of the all of that uh, joint declaration has already been implemented. So, you know, That's game over. I mean. yeah. Game over. That name is going to very quickly replace Eddie on this programme. <laughs> yeah. I've just got a feeling. You think he's our I'm new just, Eddie? I've just got a feeling. Yeah. Can I also mourn the loss of Eddie? I mean, you know... A, a, a rich source of material that, that is unlikely to come back too soon. Well, do you know, you do you know, think Patrick uh, Patrick Nip reads thirty books a week like Eddie. Fast Eddie. We we'll have to find out. I think we should be told. <laughs> I just, I just I give it one month, and you're going to be saying <laughs> that name quite a lot. Oh uh, yeah. Well, think. anyway, but I mean, what what is interesting has been the very, very vigorous supply re- response to this from the other party to the treaty, i.e., yeah. the United Kingdom, which has been. And continues to be absolutely 
F all. Yeah. I mean, that is the other side of this coin, I most do, definitely. I do understand <laughs> that the Foreign Secretary, the current Foreign Secretary, Boris Johnson, has many other priorities, all of which are known as Boris Johnson, hmm. and he is very keen to become the leader of the Tory party, so what time he's got left to do foreign affairs, I don't know. It's all very well all the jumping up and down <coughs> here about the Brits, but it doesn't really help when the Brits plainly couldn't give a hoot. Yes. And, and, plainly. You know, I mean, if, some, if you're party to a treaty, and the other side of the treaty says... F off, we, we're no longer, you know, and, and, and you know, Britain goes, oh, right, um, yeah, okay, um, or, or says nothing. Yeah. But, you know, there is a deeper implication here mm. because China signs, China obviously is a member of the United Nations, and China signs a whole raft of agreements and treaties. And people will be asking themselves in other jurisdictions, they'll say, well, you know, if they can pick a mix on which treaties they actually do adhere to and which treaties, after signing them, they declare a bit to be irrelevant. I wonder, wonder, you know, what's the value of that particular signature? But you look surprised. Well... Well, you don't actually look surprised. I just look blank. What was that story from years ago about some high-level English visit? Was it Percy Craddock and the whole thing about it was ours anyway, son? Do you remember? Something about he went on a visit and they said, what did, what did they say... Mr. Whoever it was. What, and the thing that they really said was, I think... It's it ours anyway. That, that, do you remember that? There well, was, I mean... I you mean, might have written it, even. Well, no, I, I, you might even be referring to the... Oh, it was one of the governors. I was going to say. Yeah. You, you might even be referring to the very first conversations between Britain and China, which took place during a visit of Murray McLehose, who, who was then the governor, who, who went up to Beijing and, and, uh, and saw Deng Xiaoping who basically said to him, look, you know, I don't know what you're talking about. It's part of China. All we're, all we're going to disagree with you is how it returns. Yeah. So, and, and, and what, what did he, was it like he didn't say, they kept that a bit quiet, basically, oh, that yes. that was the he, tenure he, he, of the conversation. That, that's entirely the fact, because he'd gone up um, ostensibly to talk about the opening of the cross-border railway. Right. And, you know, when he came back, he was full of discussion about, you know, the wonders of the cross-border railway and just didn't mention that they'd also had a, had a rather more substantive discussion about the future of Hong Kong. Mm. Yet again, I mean, you know, talk about the people of Hong Kong being kept in the dark. I mean, I know the Chinese administration does this, but the Brits were pretty good at that as well. Mm. And this was, this was, incidentally, I think, um, off the top of my head, this was as far back as 1979, when McLehose first raised the subject, because the talks over the Joint Declaration didn't, in fact, start until 1982. So, in fact, it probably was 79 when they first raised the subject. So, obviously, here we are, as I say, SAR 2.0, day six. What about the stuff that people are referring to more and more as white elephant projects? She, once again, I'm assuming you're going to say, has been told, do it. Well... I think that the thing with most of the white elephant projects is that they're way too advanced, you know, the bridge to nowhere, <coughs> etc. The, 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 the ones, that, that's too advanced to, to put a what's it in. What's going to be really interesting is this new other uh, enormous white elephant project known as Give Money to Shenzhen, in which Hong Kong is going to pour squillions of dollars into this new high-tech centre on the border between Hong Kong and Shenzhen. Mm-hmm. Um, whether that will happen, I think the answer is yes, it will. And taxpayers will pay for it. And we'll all benefit in ways that 
are not visible to the naked eye. Can you explain to us all the significance of these apparently dodgy or faked <coughs> tests? <coughs> what, what, who stands to gain, for, what, just in theory? Well, I think, first of all, it is, it is the bureaucratic mind loves big projects. You know, I built this. Is they they call them? They actually give them a name. They actually say, "Well, it was my legacy project." You know, the bridge to nowhere. I, I, I initiated that. Right. You know, I I I I, I hate to, um, but but it was on air, so I can repeat this. I hate to repeat something. I had a conversation on 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 the Pulse, the TV program with Mike Rouse about Disneyland after the latest, you know, miserable results and the fact that they're going to have to pour more money into it. And he said to me, "Name me." Another project. It's good. It sounds like. <laughs> yeah. Name me another project that's had so many visitors in Hong Kong. And I said to him, cinemas. And he went, what do you mean? I said, yeah, you don't get it, do you? Cinemas. They're all over Hong Kong. They're not run by the government. There's many of them. They didn't need a penny of public money. But if you take the number of people who go to cinemas, it far exceeds the number of people go to Disneyland. It's just that bureaucrats want people to go to one place and then they say, I'll tell you what, they're all going to one place. It's a very big and successful project. They don't like the idea of, you know, initiative, of loads and loads of people opening coffee shops, opening cinemas, opening performance spaces. Well, they certainly don't like them opening performance spaces in Hong Kong, opening art galleries, because they're small. And they think, no, 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 the only thing that matters is something with, you know, many, many noughts at the end of it, preferably paid for by the taxpayer. Or in Disney's land, many noughts and then another many noughts and... Paid by the taxpayer. <coughs> or paid for by the taxpayer and, um, oh, it doesn't make a penny. But, hey, that's a very narrow-minded... So when, that's a very where narrow-minded... Where do we go after that? Uh, where do we go after that? I think we, 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 we were sort of going around white elephant projects. Yeah. So, the big white elephant, um, which we still haven't seen the end of spending in the room, is the bridge to nowhere. But, of course, the other thing, which we didn't mention before the break, was she's also got to... And now we, now we can have a, a wry chuckle. <coughs> That's a wry chuckle. Um, we, we, we still haven't seen the so-called agreement. There won't be agreement. Beijing will just tell them what to do. On co-location arrangements. This is the weasel word that's used for having Chinese officials posted in the Kowloon station to conduct immigration and, and indeed, customs procedures. What about the other end? Uh, they won't have to. It will all be done here. That's the whole point about it, because it's the one country. Oh, yeah. It's the one country. So, you know, Article 22 of the Basic Law very clearly states that, that, that uh, this isn't going to be happening here. But, hey. It's just, I love these things, because it's all very well to say we're going to build this big shiny bridge or whatever. But it's the middle paragraph that people don't read, like, how are we going to do this? How? And we've talked about this before. Yeah. But these are the important things. Yeah. And who's going to go <laughs> on the bridge? You know, how's it going to work? Uh, all of those things. But this is for the railway, which is the other mega project, which, of course, you know, no, no, no squillion is too small to pour mm. taxpayers' money into. But, you know, if you do have in absolute contradiction, black and white contradiction to what is stated in basic law, if you do have Chinese officials conducting all of these functions of immigration and customs control on the territory of the SAR, you're, you're basically saying, oh, well, you know, just because it says in black and white in the basic law this can't happen, um, uh... Uh, oh, I'll tell you what, we'll reinterpret it. I'll tell you what. And that's what they will do. In true Hong Kong style, we've talked about the Hong Kong bit. 
But what do you think is going to happen to Juhai, which is still a quite cool place, and Macau? I mean, are they just going to get property prices up the backside and are they going to have people moving there in their squillions? What's going to happen? Well, we've already been told that Hong Kong isn't as good as Macau by various states. No, isn't as good boy as a good boy no, as Macau. No, we don't have the same level of prostitution, we don't have the same level of money, um, laundering, and we certainly don't have the same level of gambling. Tut, 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 Hong Kong. Yeah. Shape up. Get some more of those things going. But is it, actually, you do make a good point. So if the bridge is, <laughs> against all probability, a success, and uh, let's not make assumptions about that, and floods of people from Hong Kong do start trundling over into Macau... I mean, Because it's course, mainland a light. People, a lot of people do go to Macau anyway, and they go there for the very virtuous purpose of gambling. Hmm. But, you know, say they also go on that extra little leg and they get to Zhuhai which is a quite sleepy little place, actually. Mm. It is a special economic economic zone, which I know sets the heart racing, sets my heart racing. Is it a hub, though? I don't know. Is it a hub? We'll have to look into that. Good restaurants. It's a grub hub. (laughs) It's a grub hub, and it has lots of trees, funnily enough. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, what will happen to those places? Good question. (laughs) 